You're listening to the Ministry 127 podcast, a complimentary resource for today's spiritual leader. The purpose of Ministry 127 is to aid Christians in developing a biblical philosophy of ministry. Ministry 127 is a growing online library aimed at assisting ministry workers with Bible-based resources and is a ministry of Pastor Paul Chapel, the Lancaster Baptist Church, and West Coast Baptist College. For more information, visit ministry127.com and subscribe to the Ministry 127 podcast for more practical lessons for today's Christian worker. Today's lesson is Training Teachers Throughout the Year, taught by Dr. Mark Rasmussen. Dr. Rasmussen serves as the Vice President of West Coast Baptist College and has been working in Christian education for over 30 years. You can learn more about West Coast Baptist College at wcbc.edu. All right, well, good morning. I hope you're doing well today as we uh, get started here today. We're going to talk about training teachers throughout the year. It's my desire and my goal to be a help to you, hopefully, that it'll help you some in your own teaching, but also as you try to impact the lives of others that maybe God allows you to work with uh, or direct. Uh, how many of you actually help leading in maybe a Sunday school department or your Sunday school superintendent or something along those lines? Uh, that's your background. Anyone like that? You work with Sunday school teachers? Okay, a number of you here. Uh, others of you are teachers, and uh, how many of you work in a school situation where you work with teachers? I know there's at least one or two principals here, several principals here, and I hope this will be a help. And I've tried to uh, bridge this so it helps both churches and schools. Uh, I believe that training is of uh, great import. Uh, we often do not get the results we want because we do not uh, pay the price up front to get those ultimate results. And I've been teaching 30 years. I've been a college administrator for 27 of those years. And uh, one of my jobs here is helping train people who serve here. And I spend a lot of my time going around the country, uh, whether it's training in marriages. I've done 13 couples retreats the last two years or doing staff trainings where I go in and talk to a staff and train them over a period of a day or two. And uh, that's the type of thing we're going to talk about today. Let's go to Lord Prayer as we get started here today. Dear Lord, I thank you for these friends here today. I thank you for their willingness to come to be sharpened. And I pray that the time we spend together in this, these next few minutes will be helpful. I pray it will be edifying. Uh, Lord, it was my prayer this morning that this would not be a waste of anyone's time, but rather would help them. I pray that the things we talk about, discuss, and share uh, will help each of us to be a little bit closer to being the communicator of truth you'd have us to be. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you have your book, it's lesson number 10 in the book. Lesson number 10, and uh, give you some things to fill in. I'm going to uh, bear with you for just a moment because I want to read a, an original paragraph that I wrote here that I think will help you understand where I'm going. Continuing education is an imperative for those who are in authority. It ought to be a goal to sharpen those that God has entrusted to our watch care. For all those who are privileged to teach and to train, it ought to be a goal to grow in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. This lecture, this teaching, uh, my goal is it will help you as a supervisor, uh, as a principal, as a Sunday school superintendent, or as a teacher uh, to further equip yourself and others for the ministry. I have learned in my life that when things are fresh to me, it'll be fresh to other people. Uh, I read a lot. Reading is kind of, I'll be honest with you, it's my crutch, it's my hobby, but it's also a source of much that I use. Um, I do not read a lot of sports books, but just recently I was flying from uh, L.A. to Dallas, Dallas to Murph, Nashville on Friday last week. I read an entire biography of Josh Hamilton. You would love it, Tim, from a sports perspective. It was an amazing book. 
This guy was the number one pick in the draft. He received a $3.9 million signing bonus by the Tampa Devil Rays. He was considered to be the next Mickey Mantle. A prodigious power, prodigious speed, a truly a five-tool five player. Uh, by the way, came out of a Christian home, had never tasted alcohol in his life. And you, youth, youth leaders ought to hear this. He got injured. Guess where he started hanging around? A tattoo parlor. To make a long story short, he ended up getting 21 tattoos and literally went so far as to become a, a, a crack addict. He told how he'd buy the little, the little flower vases at your 7-Eleven are not for little flowers. Those are crack pipes. And he told which, what little pads you use to put in there so the rock won't fall down the bottom, et cetera, et cetera. This guy lost everything. He pawned his own wife's wedding rings to buy crack. By the way, she's out of Mike Edwards. Mike Edwards is here at the conference. His son, Chris, who gave a testimony last night, she was out of that church. I read the book from everything but the epilogue from Dallas to Nashville. Well, guess what? I'm sharing an illustration. It's fresh to me. I just read it last Friday. And when it's fresh to you, it'll be fresh to other people. Uh, so much of that's going to come from input in our lives. What, what have you read that helped you as a teacher? What have you read in the last week, two weeks, okay, month, two months, that will help equip those that you have under you as teachers? That's a very, very important thing to understand. And I'm a big believer we have a staff meeting every week. I'm going to share with you a brief outline that I gave, actually, to our whole staff here. Pastor often had me speak to our staff and train them. He'll say, well, help them in this area or help them in this area. And uh, so I'll, I'll write something that will go along those lines. I'll actually share one of those with you a little later on. So I want to give you six steps that will help you to train teachers in the next year that I hope will help take you to the next level. And uh, I believe with all my heart that this will help you as you make a difference. Um, and be in a, in a situation where uh, as an individual help. Number one, hiring puts a person on the team. Mentoring makes a person part of the team. Hiring puts a person on the team. Mentoring puts a person on the team. Isaiah chapter 28, is that what you have in the outline there? Is that there? Everybody good? I'm going to make sure we're in the right spot here. Uh, Isaiah 28 verse 10 says, For precept must be upon precept. Line upon line, here a little and there a little. It is impossible to do what we expect them to do if we do not clearly explain our expectations. Everybody look up here for just a moment. People will not do what you expect if they do not know what you expect. Does everybody understand that? It's very, very, very simple. I just fit, I've been traveling most of the summer I'm on the road. Six of those weeks I spent with a, with a tour group. Uh, I, I went out for two weeks, then I went home, I preached five graduations, then I went back out for another four and a half weeks. I just got home uh, Monday. Um, I lay down some lines. I'm a big believer that you don't let the lunatics run the asylum. And I said, guys, I said, I'm really easy to get along with. But I said, there's certain, I said, I've been doing this for a long, long time. I've been traveling with tour groups now for 26 years. And I said, I'm the vice president of the college, you're the student. So that means we do it my way, not your way. Uh, we start every day with prayer, but I let them know what I expect from them. Um, I, for example, I said, we're going to be careful with our language. I said, let, let's, let's take the high road. I said, that's just how it's going to be. I said, you obey me the first time every time. Uh, one boy didn't one time. It was an unhappy moment. He was a freshman last year, and they were talking a little about gaining weight. And so they were, they were joking around about getting a little belly. Well, this guy started talking about this as the pastor. Well, I told him, I said, we don't talk about that side of the bed. In fact, I said, it's just stupid to talk about it. I said, exercise a little more. I, I, you know, I said, just that's what you want to do. I said, but you're, you're 19 years old. That's imbecilic. Well, one of the boys did that. He disobeyed me. 
And I just corrected him firmly, maybe very firmly, in front of the others. Um, there's a Bible principle there as well. Uh, uh, rebuke the fool and the scorner so the simple be made wise. By the way, we didn't have any more problem with that the rest of summer. That was four weeks ago. Um, but we have to lift them up to the level that we want them to be at. So we talk about this with mentoring, line upon line, here a little, there a little. Let me give you some things I'm talking about here. You have to write this down in the margins there. What expectations are we talking about? Well, if you're a Sunday school teacher, how about follow-up? If you're a school teacher, how about every school teacher being in the home of their students? I believe that's very important. I believe a school teacher does not go in the home of their students, preferably in the first six or seven weeks. By the way, if you have 30 kids, which would be a big class in a Christian school, that would be five kids a week. Probably two nights a week. I would say do some soul Saturday, but get out here, take care of that. If you have a three-hour, if you have a three-hour block, you could do that in one night. But I would, I think that's very, very important. I want the parents to know I'm working with them. Right. I've had, I've had teachers. I, I've spoken to thousands and thousands of Christian school teachers. They look at me like, "What? I'm done at three o'clock." Well, it's really not that way. Right. But you let them know what your expectations are. By the way, I have. I'm going to put this on a very simple level. I have a son who's 16 years of age. I have a lot of expectations for him. Someone said to me recently, he said, you seem to parent with a purpose. I said, very good. My son, uh, one of my weaknesses, I'm not a good typist. Uh, my son types 70 words a minute. He's 16. How did that happen? Well, when he was 14, he started practicing 30 minutes a day in the summer. Now he's down just 10 minutes a day. Keep it sharp. Let me ask you, do you think that'll help him in ministry someday? I wish someone had made me do that. And by the way, as much as you, this is a, a tried adage, and you've, you, know, you may say, oh, I don't believe it. Have you ever heard the statement, you'll thank me someday? Uh, I make my son do different things as far as cleaning up his room, reading his Bible, having a reading time in the summer, minimum of 30 minutes a day of reading time. Right? I have make him do an exercise time. My son doesn't have my height, but he loves basketball. He has to lift weights a certain amount of days during the week. Um, Brother Steve Parma is a good friend of mine. We've been friends for 15 years or so. Steve was a great basketball player at Pensacola Christian College. At one time, Steve had, well, he, could, he could slam dunk until he was 35. That gives you a little idea. But when he, was, when he was in college, he was a prodigious jumper. So I asked Steve, I said, how did you do it? Steve talked about, talked about paying a price. Steve worked camps in the summer. He'd always asked to be the dishwasher. I'm going, why? He goes, I'd put a board there. I'd sit there and do calf raises all day long. Well, in one game at Pensacola, there's a picture of Steve Parmley pitting a ball above the square of the backboard. I told my son about that. So I built some plyometric boxes in my home. I make him jump up on these boxes 200 times every other day with a weight vest. I kept saying, someday you'll thank me. Someday you'll thank me. <laughs> about three weeks ago, I was on the road. He called me up and says, Dad, I want to say thank you. He's only six feet tall. I said, Why? Because I got a break when I slammed dunk the basketball in a game. Ah. Now, basketball, as much as I enjoy sports, honestly, is a very temporal thing. How about someday they'll thank you for walking with God? How about someday they'll thank you for the fact that you help them keep their eyes in the right direction? You help them keep their thought life in the right direction? You help them keep them away from evil people? Someday they'll thank you. Proverbs 27.10 says, I know friend, thy father's friends forsake not. I try to go back and thank people who impacted me in these areas. So we, our expectations as far as uh, the area of going in their homes. Uh, how about Sunday school teachers? Expectations with follow-up. 
Habit expectations with outreach. I'm a big believer in staying in touch with postcards. Uh, it's just something I believe in. Uh, I've written over 1,000 postcards this summer. We're in the first week of July, second week of July now. I've written every student in our college. I've written every one of my Sunday school class. I have a very large Sunday school class. Uh, I have a list of widows who I, I write. I have a list of my personal converts I write. I write them every month, by the way. Um, they're my spiritual children. And I have different labels of, a list of labels that I carry with me. Uh, we were in Ohio preaching, and it was at Brother Parma was kind of take our guys out for a day at the lake. I said, I'd love to have done that, but I was able to write about 200 postcards that day. And I, I'm getting paid for it. So, I mean, I can't sit there and say, well, you know, I work for an hour and a half. I'm done for the day. Um, who did you write and encourage this week? Do you tell them, you know, here's a list of people I thought about today I need to write. Brother Tykert, after that testimony this morning. Was that a great testimony? I was there at the uh, change of command ceremony yesterday. I'm going to write him a note. By the way, MIT and Stanford grad, you know, pretty sharp guy. By the way, that means the church can reach people who are pretty smart people. 3.94 from MIT. You know, I'm, I'm realistic enough to know I couldn't get into MIT. Secondly, wouldn't want to, but moving on here. Um, you know, I wrote down, met a girl today that I met when I was preaching a couples retreat in uh, Las Vegas, Nevada in February. Pastor and I were preaching there. Met her today. I've been writing her. I've, I've written her at least seven or eight times. Named Lindsay. She played the piano in the church. Her founder today. She's coming to college. Wrote down her name. I'm a writer. Glad she's coming. Didn't know. You know, she applied. Uh, who have you thought about today that the Lord wanted you to encourage to write? By the way, let them know about your expectations for them, especially in your classes. I've got to move quickly here. Um, by the way, if you are a principal here, several of you are, how about, their, how about your expectations for their preparation? Asked to see it. Asked to see it. Blue books, lessons, plans. Um, I would encourage, this is a downtime in the economy. If you don't know that, you don't probably read the newspaper or don't have a lot of economic enlightenment. Um, I've told school after school, I, I told my brother, I said, you got to have every teacher write every prospective student for the next year and tell them about great things that are going to happen in their class. I said, you got to have every teacher in school write every one of their students from last year and, and remind them of some good things that happened in their class. Do they like their job? That would be a good thing to do. You know, uh, That would be a very good thing to do. You know, And if I have time to write 850 college students this summer, and so far you know, I've preached at over 50 churches, I stay fairly busy, I think the teachers are going to write their 30 students. By the way, you say, how do you make sure that gets done? <laughs> I'll tell you how I do it here, because I sign a lot of postcards to people who work for me, like the college teachers. I have them turn the cards back into me, so I say, I'll buy the stamp, I'll mail them for you. That's not the main reason I do that. The main reason is that way I know if they're done. I say, I want them back by Friday. They're not back by Friday. I then have the secretary start calling them. Dr. Rasmussen wants to know where they're at. Right now you're all saying, thank God I don't work for you. All right, we'll be out here. So hiring puts a person on the team. Mentoring makes a person part of the team. You have to show what you want them to do. Dr. Getz and I wrote a book. If you haven't read it, I encourage you to get it. It's called Mentoring and Modeling. Uh, we want to show an example, but we have to train them up. We have to teach them in an example. Number two, reviews should be personal and professional. I'm a big believer in staff reviews. I think that's very important. I'm a believer in Sunday school reviews. Sunday school superintendents, when was the last time you sat down with each Sunday school teacher and discussed their class with them? Do you know that Brother Christensen will actually talk to me? Now, Brother Christensen, I recruited him to Bible college when he was 18. He now is my ostensible superior. 
I teach the auditorium Sunday school class. He teaches a couple's class, but he's over the Sunday school. I'll go to his office twice a year. We'll talk about my class. He'll ask you about, like, how many activities are you having? You know. And uh, we believe that Sunday school classes have activities. And you know what? I'm accountable to him for that. I let him know things are going on in my class. Um, Please write this down, if you will, in the margin or at the bottom of your page. Elevate accountability. Eliminate doubt. Elevate accountability. Eliminate doubt. Elevate accountability, eliminate doubt. Uh, friends, I'm a believer. Uh, Carrie Schmidt took me sewing the first week I was here. And I, had, I graduated from college when I was 20. I started teaching when I was 21. I was administrator when I was 23. He said, you want to get along well with the pastor? He said, let him know what you're doing. Now, pastor Chapel's very, very busy. You know what I do, folks? Probably every two days, I'll write a little email that says update. And just bullets. Just bullets. I don't want him to wonder what I'm doing. By the way, your teachers under you need to let you know what they're doing. You, ought to, you certainly ought to know what they're teaching. You certainly ought to know what their activities are. You certainly ought to know what's happening in their class. Uh, you ought to know who the problem children are. Who, are. who are the ones who are excelling? Who are the ones who are doing poorly? Uh, I would evaluate the grades from every class and look and see what the grades are like. I do that with the teachers here. If a teacher has a large amount of students who are failing, I want to know why. Why aren't they getting it? Is he too hard? Uh, our goal at West Coast Baptist College is in students. Our goal is graduates. Now, on the other hand, I'm a big believer in they get an education. This isn't camp. Right? It's, not, it's not vacation Bible school. Every class at West Coast Baptist College has a textbook, including every Bible class. Say, so how do you do that? Well, praise God for John Phillips. You know? So um, the reality, right? I'm a believer in that. Um, but I'm going to check on it. I look at all the grades of all the teachers. I want to see what's going on. Sometimes we move teachers around because of that. Uh, so, reviews, instruction and advice is given directly and individually. Instruction and advice is given directly and individually. This achieves far more and much better results than corporate encouragement. What is corporate encouragement? Hey, you guys are all doing a great job. Keep it up. You know what that does? No, I'm going to write John Tyker and say, I was proud to be a member of your church yesterday. He got up there. It was awesome. I mean, he's the number one fighter for the number one test squadron for the Raptors in the world. I mean, he was flying over Washington, D.C. on 911. You know, uh, fought. You know, he's, he's an amazing guy. But I thought he did a great job of the testimony this morning. I'm going to let him know that. Now, just think about that. Who's a little pretty in your mind to encourage? Moving on. So, instruction advice given directly and individually achieves far better results than corporate encouragement. Reviews should be done three times during the course of the year, the first month at semester break, and at the conclusion of the year. I can get by with two. Uh, if you do good training in the summer of the year, right, and then you use something at, mid, uh, at semester and then something at the end of the year. Same thing with Sunday school teachers. You train them as they go in so they know what to expect for whatever grade level they're teaching. And, uh, of course, that's, you know, Rated by grade. First um, Corinthians chapter 14, verse 12 says, Even so ye forasmuch as ye are zealous of spiritual gifts, seek that ye may excel to the edifying of the church. 
Is that verse there in your, in your notes? Seek that ye may excel. By the way, the Bible says this, and to the excellent is who, in whom is all my delight. Let me go back and tell you a little personal story about outreach. And some of you are working as far as Sunday school teachers. When I came here to Lancaster Baptist Church, one of the major reasons why I came here was because I wanted to have fruit that remained in my life. A pastor chapel walked up to me when I was in another ministry. He said, how's your fruit? I said, well, I've taught students serving the Lord all over the world. He goes, no, 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 no. He said, how's your soul winning fruit? I said, not too good. Well, I got out here. He always said he was very kind. He was 35. I was 40 at the time. He looked at me. He said, I can help you with that. Turned around and walked away. Very kind, not condescending. And I, just, I was really quite offended he'd asked me. He'd been trying to hire me for two years. I'm going, what's with this? That night, I couldn't sleep too well. Well, let me go on and tell you the rest of the story. Well, God spoke at our heart. We came out here. I was preaching for my brother at the time, or my dad. Came up here for Wednesday night, and he had us over at his house. He probably had 50 people there that had been saved the last three years. That's what church works, and it, you know, it still happens. And uh, I told my wife, we got in the car on the 14th the next day. I said, we need to come here. I said, we need this in our life. I said, I love to teach history. I love sports. I said, I want to have, when I get to heaven, I want to have something that counts. And so I asked Pastor for a week to pray about it. We came out here. We moved out here in August. It'll be 13 years this coming, this coming month. And I got my first soul winning call. And I'm just going to tell you how I thought. All right? And remember, I was born on the campus of Bob Jones University. My dad pastored the same church for 47 years. My dad was a great soul winner. I mean, but I didn't get it from him. I didn't catch it. Um, I'd seen other great soul winners. Well, I got out here. I got my first call. I didn't know my way around here, anything like that. I drove out to Quartz Hill, California. It's about 20 minutes away. Of course, there was no GPSs back then. I didn't have a map quest. I finally found it. The only visit I made that night. I got in the house. Uh, the couple were, their names were Lou and Nita Leinberger. This will be 12 years next month. I walked in. They're everything that I am not. They're NIV Bible, Saturday night church, praise and worship music. Now, they're older than me, probably five years, ten years older than me. He was the chief engineer of all the uh, avionics for Lockheed on the new Joint Strike Fighter. <laughs> Smart guy, nice guy. We had a good time talking to him. You know what I wrote on my card? I said, save, not our kind of Christian. Turn it in. I was done. I mean, that's not what we are. Pastor Chapel called me up to his office. He said, Dr. Aris, got your card. <laughs> well, yeah. And so? He goes, um, you're not in the Bible Belt anymore. He goes, no one who comes here is our kind of Christian. He said, go get him. I literally thought he was a compromiser. I'm going, hello, I am a fundamentalist, you know. <laughs> and uh, I was smart enough to ask this question. I said, well, how am I supposed to do that? He said, well, invite him to your home. That, that, that was about as foreign to me as like signing up to be an astronaut the next week. Why would I want this guy in my home? And I'm going... Invited my home? Was it, the Bible calls it hospitality. And he said something. He said, people do not care how much you know until they know how much you care. I said, okay. I told my wife, and she said, well, let's try it. I think she gave you some encouraging word like the way we're doing it. It certainly hasn't been working. And uh, <laughs> so to my shame, and I don't blame the other two good churches that I attended, but I, I can't name one adult convert in the church that attends those churches after 18 years of ministry. I learned about soul winning when I started when I was 40 years old when I came here. And so we invited Lou and Nita Lambert to our house next week. And by the way, when you sit there with them for two hours at lunch, you have time to answer questions. They start thinking, they care about me. They start thinking, by the way, why do they think you care about them? Because we invite people out to eat who we care about. Hello. 
To make a long story short, Lou and Nita got rebaptized. They joined the church, and they never came quite as far as maybe as I wanted to come. But they did come Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, and they would go out on Tuesday night for sharing. <laughs> and uh, one day I was telling the auditorium Sunday school, I said, pray, we need a snack shop for the college. We really need it. Lou walked up to me after and said, what would it cost? I don't know, 15, 16 grand. i got to get a grill, a vent system, all that type of thing. That week I got an envelope, Mark Rasmussen, Lou Leinberger. Inside was a check, $16,000. And uh, I went and told pastor, he goes, yeah, not our kind of Christian, huh? You know, and uh, so um, I've learned. And I will tell you, let me just say this to you. This is not purely a soul winning time. But if you want to be a good school teacher, you, you want your school to be on fire, have school teachers that win people to Christ. If you want to be a good Sunday school teacher, have Sunday school teachers that win people to Christ. I had a man here last night who's coming to the conference in the evenings. I led him the Lord in February. He's a biomedical engineer. Man, he's my son in the faith. His name's David Payne. Just got back from a three-week safari to Africa. And uh, I love David. He's special to me. He just got saved in February. Here he's attending leadership, Sunday night, Monday night, Tuesday night, Wednesday night. Haven't led his wife to the Lord yet. Taking her out for a meal with David. And he's had his discouragement. He called me the other day. He goes, Doc, I'm just discouraged. I go, what happened? He goes, well, my wife's not interested in spiritual things. And I told my daughter she needs to think about God more. And she went out and got a tattoo. It said, let go and let God. He goes, that's not what I meant. You know, so, you know, so you deal with setbacks. But I think you understand what I'm talking about. Review. Check on it. Um, I will say this also. Of course, I'm a big believer in weekly meetings. I meet with my individual superintendents, people who are under me once a week. We meet with the college once a week. Either Dr. Getcher, I speak to the college, and then pastor meets with all the staff once a week, and we train them. Number three, resources. We must help our teachers to grow. I am a firm believer that readers are leaders, and leaders are readers. I'm a believer. Now, let me say this. The best way to get them to read is to photocopy articles. I subscribe to three newspapers and 18 magazines. And oftentimes I'll send friends, you've got to read this article. I'll tell people, staff, you need to read this article. It goes from the top down, friends. It starts with you. Brother Troy Calvert and his dad, I, I know Dr. Bud much better just because of our age being a little closer. And uh, Dr. Calvert, I both love to read. Now Brother Troy Calvert is reading a lot. And he'll try to find me a book I haven't read. He said, I've got a, a book, Leadership Lessons from San Quentin. I said, I haven't read that. Haven't even been there. And, uh, but he told me, he saw me here at the meeting. He said, i got a book for you. I said, awesome. I saw my brother yesterday. My brother loves to read, and he's a learner. He wants to do a better job as a pastor. I gave him two books yesterday. I probably sit in books at least every other month. I read something that impacts me. I'll send it to my brother, Tim. Right. Uh, I've given you some sources here. Uh, let me say this. I'll tell you what I do. I'm a Baptist. I'm looking for the cheap way to buy things. I probably have three Barnes Noble gift cards in my, in my wallet right now. Do you know you can use those online? I'll go through Barnes & Noble when tour groups are at the mall. I'll find books I want to buy. I'll write down the author title. I'll buy them online and save 40%. Hallelujah. Uh, there's also, a, I'll look at Amazon and see if I can buy them for a dollar or two and pay shipping. That's a good thing. Uh, I read a great book a few years ago called Values of the Game by Bill Bradley. It was one of the best books I've ever read in my entire life. Someone said it's at the dollar store. I went and bought 50 of them. I've given them to high school boys. Phenomenal basketball book. You ever seen that before? Great pictures. And it had chapters on dedication and character. Bill Bradley was a Princeton grad and U.S. Senator. A liberal one, unfortunately. But basketball I knew a lot about. Well, then I, I ran out of those. So then I started looking for them online. I've been able to buy those for 2 or $3. It's a $30 coffee table book. Now, one of the best things you have to understand is you need to familiarize yourself with authors. Um, I, I do a lot of couples retreats. This is an interesting thing. I carry boxes and boxes of books with me to couples retreats. I sell the books for $5 and less. 
You say, how do you do that? I buy all those books at thrift stores. If it's by Gary Smalley, if it's by whoever, I buy them. And I don't agree with everything they say, but you know, when I eat chicken, I don't eat the bones either. So um, that I'm collecting these books, that I try to sell the books for two, three, four, five dollars, nothing more than five. You know, Bill Bennett's giant book of, of stories to read your children, which cost thirty-five dollars. I bought two of those the other day for four dollars. Sold them to some guy for five. I paid four dollars. So I just want to break even on them. But I'm looking for things. If you find a great book you've read, then give it to Pastor gave those of us in the leadership team a book the other day, um, which, interestingly, Dr. Calvert had given me as well by Johnny Hunt on Sunday School. He told everyone in leadership, he said, read this before our, leadership, our uh, staff training, and we're going to discuss it. It impacted him. Well, Pastor Chapel gave it to me. Dr. Calvert gave it to me. Guess what I did? I gave it to my brother Tim. That's all I needed to know. Is this a good book. So, here's some sources here. Um, Let me just throw out a little codicil, a little warning here. Uh, One of my favorite websites in the whole wide world is edwardrhamilton.com. It's listed here. Edward R. Hamilton sells what are called publishers overstocks. You can buy lots of books in here for four or five dollars. I have spent, I don't exaggerate, I believe I've I've spent in excess of ten thousand dollars on this website. Now, a lot of these books I buy, I don't give away. Dr. Sis loves golf. I don't golf. I'm not interested in it. But I might buy a $35 coffee table book on golf for Dr. Sisk for $2 on there. By the way, no matter how many books you buy from Edward R. Hamilton, no matter how many you buy, total shipping is $350. I love that. <laughs> right? Books are expensive to ship. So uh, I bought Bill Bradley's Values of the Game on there for about $5. $35 book. You know, big, great, slick paper, a big, expensive book to print. Right? I found it on there. So I'm looking. Uh, I read a book I was preaching at your church. And I always carry books with me. I almost never buy books in, in uh, airports because they're expensive. <laughs> so I was walking through, but my son loves basketball. As I'm walking through the Washington Dulles Airport a year ago, May, after preaching there at Fairfax Baptist Temple, I saw a book called Pistol. It was written by Mark Kriegel. Mark Kriegel wrote a book on Namath that I heard about. And I went over and read it. said, Sports Illustrated said, this is the biography of the year. I started reading it there. A lot of books I read standing there. And uh, especially at Barnes & Noble while I'm waiting for my wife or someone. And I read about 15, 20 minutes. I couldn't put it down. I bought the book. Now, I had to cross some bad words out. But it was a great book. The, this was a trade paperback. You guys all know what trade paperback is? This trade paperback cost about $18, maybe 16 or 18 It was more than 15 I remember that. Trade paperback. I went on edwardrhamilton.com, and I checked, like, self-help. I checked business. I checked leadership. And I checked sports. Uh, I, I checked history, U.S. history, uh, biographies. And I looked under sports. There it was, pistol, hardback. Dust jacket, $5. I bought everyone they had. I've given them away to many, many people. I marked down what pages, what pages in the back have bad words, cross them off. And I've given it to young men. Because you know what was great about that book? I bought it for my son thinking about his character, his discipline, all the drills he went, you know, spinning a ball at his finger for an, for an hour to win a bet, etc. But you know what was awesome? This unsaved guy who wrote his biography gets to the end of the book. He says, we all need something in our life. For Pete Maravich, the thing that turned him around was religion. He goes, when he got God in his life, he changed. <laughs> and he talked about regeneration in his life. It was awesome. His wife's his changed. His friends had changed. He was, when he died, he was playing basketball with James Dobson. He was out here in California. And he was actually getting ready to be on a broadcast that day. And he had a heart problem passed away that day in his 40s. Well, I read that. I told Mark in the front, I wrote him a note. I said, Mark, I, I bought this for you because I wanted you to have the discipline to be good at basketball. But I said, if you read the whole book, you'll find out what's really important to you. By the way, one of the reasons why I read is so I can give my kids 
my wife things to read. Um, you know, The Rainies, Parenting Today's Adolescent, that book helped me. You know, how do you have a teenager in your home? Do you have a teenager in your home? You know, I mean, we get together, have a group hug after the session, okay? <laughs> you know, um, you understand what I'm saying. All right, so here's a lot of different sources uh, that you could use. Uh, East Ford's a great source, Bible study aids, etc. Uh, by the way, illustrationcentral.com, sermoncentral.com have been great helps. Uh, I'll write messages and say, I need to find illustrations for this. <laughs> and knowing where to go for those things. Number four, required reading. Required reading. 2 Timothy 2.15 says, Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Now, the Bible commands us to study. Study to show thyself approved. Friends, let me ask you, what have you read in the last week besides your daily devotions? By the way, it all starts there. I call that the principle first things. Uh, what I read this morning, I mean, uh, I do Twitter, because Pastor makes me, and, uh, but I'll use my first Twitter of the day will be for the Proverbs that match, matches that day. Um, you know what my Twitter was today? Uh, Proverbs 15, the chapter that matches the day, verse 29, righteousness exalted the nation. All right? So I put that in there, and I then put my Twitter was, uh, righteousness is going to come from the church house, not the White House. Pray for leadership. I was done. Praise the Lord. And uh, since I have to do three. So I usually do something for Proverbs every day. I do a word for the day. Education's good. And uh, then I'll do usually a thought for the day. It's not going to be all about me. It's supposed to say, what are you doing now? No, thank you. So that's not what I'm going to do. So if I'm going to have that and have hundreds of people read it every day, I'm going to do something for the Bible, maybe a word for the day, usually a little something humorous about the word. And when you travel with college students, they provide those for you uh, with great rapidity, but uh, that type of thing. All right. Uh, the Bible says in Proverbs 4.18, but the path of the just is as a shining light that shineth more and more into the perfect day. Friend, let me ask you a question this morning. Do you shine more this year than you did last year? The way you do that is put more things in you that will help you to shine more. Let me encourage you. By the way, one of the reasons why I pick a verse from Proverbs to Twitter on each morning is very simple. Because it helps me to meditate on the verse during the day. How did I remember that? Proverbs 15, 29. Because I typed it in on Twitter this morning. Um, By the way, memorization is the tool that causes meditation. And I'm a big believer, we're a big believer in Bible memory around here. I, sad to say, I don't think I'd memorized the verse. Very sad to say. From the time I got out of, well, in college, the Bible college I attended, the only class I learned verses in was personal evangelism. That's not true at West Coast. <laughs> I guarantee you, if you have my classes, you're going to learn a lot of verses. Uh, because, wherewithal, she young man cleanses way by taking heed thereto according to the word. That word is a lamp to my feet, a light into my path. You know, that word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against God. And so I think those things are all very, very important. Go back and look what the, what the Puritans did, the pilgrims did, with the early primers. A, all have sinned. You know, B, be ye kind one to another. You know, you know, moving on. So a wise administrator requires teachers to read at least two books every summer. The books I've given you here work for school and for church. I've given you a list of some of my personal favorites. I believe every one of these books right now is in our bookstore. Uh, these books will help you. I'm going to mention a few more just while we're looking at this, and I realize that this is supposed to be done at 12, so I'm going to have to speed up very quickly. But Shepherding a Child's Heart may be the best book I've ever read on rearing children. It's a great, great, great book. It's also a great, great book for anyone who wants to communicate truth, which is what a teacher is. If you haven't read it, I implore you to read the book. It'll be helped you. Art of Teaching by Gilbert Hyatt. This is the only book in here that is a secular book, the only one that I've listed. Hyatt was a professor at Columbia University, and this is a classic book on teaching. 
He does have a chapter that's about 40 or 50 pages long on the master teacher, the Lord Jesus Christ. But I really think this is a great book. I'd recommend it. Uh, 101 Tips of Teaching. These are some things I've learned over the years that are principles. Let me just give you one. Uh, the goal is progress, not perfection. If you want your kids to be perfect, you'll be frustrated. Uh, I want to see progress. I want to see growth in my son's life. I want to see growth in my student's life. That's my goal. The goal is progress, not perfection. What are we going to do to help people grow? Remember, it starts with us, right? Start, are we growing? Then are we helping those under us to grow? Pastor Chapel is something unique. He's, he can't, we, we run 4,300 or something like that on a Sunday here. He says his job is to walk with God himself, take care of his family, and train his staff. And the staff trains the people under them. And different people the staff are given different amount of people to train, depending on their various several abilities. You know, some people have a one-talent class, some people have a five-talent class, or whatever. I think you understand what I'm talking about. Um, let me mention this about Dr. Bruce Wilkerson. Uh, that's actually Wilkinson, but uh, Seven Laws of Learner and the Seven Laws of Teacher. Write that down next to the Seven Laws of Teacher. Wilkerson, very good. He was a professor at Dallas Theological Seminary. Uh, John Milton Gregory, this has been redone recently by AACS with a very good addendum by Dr. Charles Walker. Uh, of course, John Milton Gregory's book is over 100 years old as well. Biblical Leadership by Ken Collier and Matt Williams. Let me tell you who these guys are. Uh, Collier is the guy who helped found the Wilds Camp in North Carolina. And then Matt Williams is the, works at a Christian at a Bible college today. Uh, but for years, for 33 years, he was an assistant pastor. And just had a servant spirit. And they wrote this book. I read this book. It is now a textbook at West Coast. I use this as a textbook in a class called Professional Training. I teach the seniors here getting them ready for ministry the next year out in ministry. It's a great book. I think everyone who has teachers under them ought to get the teachers to read this book. Classic, classic book. Discipline Life by Taylor. Uh, years ago, there was a man named Dr. Walter Fremont. He's in heaven today. Fremont was a great educator. He's a dean of the School of Education at Bob Jones University. He was the family camp speaker every year at the Wilds. In fact, the chapel there is a Walter Fremont, Walter Trudy Fremont chapel. I spoke there at the Wilds last year and uh, spoke at his chapel that was named after him. Dr. Fremont, my mom was a friend of his, and she said, what could I do to have my son get prepared for college? He said, have him read The Discipline Life by Taylor. And again, it's NIV. It's not the right version. But listen now, I read that book. It changed my life. It changed my life. Literally, for 28 or 29 years, I've required every freshman in every college I've been, I've only been, I've been to three schools, to read this book. Here we have Introduction to Collegiate Life. They have to read this book. You have seniors, have them read it. You have a Sunday school class in the high school area, have them read this book. It'll be a help to them, as long as your pastor approves, of course. The Pursuit of God by Tozier. Uh, a classic, but Tozier's a great thinker, man who never learned how to drive, um, but a man who walked with God. And he has uh, incredible pithy truths uh, that is worthy of learning from him, as well as from Vance Habner, who's a little later on uh, down there also. And then I put on here the book that impacted me most as far as, I read a lot of biographies. Um, My favorite mystery biography, my two favorites, Hudson Taylor's Spiritual Secret, which is very accessible. The other is not accessible. It's called Missionary Warrior, The Life Story of Charles Kalman. That is the best mystery biography I've ever read. I think it's out of print. I actually gave a guy money to help reprint it. It's not been done yet. Um, an amazing, amazing story. You know what happens when people read amazing stories? It inspires them. I'm trying to implore my son, don't be content with mediocrity. Let them read about people who accomplish things. It could be in a wide venue of fields, but especially in spiritual fields. I told, I told my son, son, I hope you'll be a great basketball player. But I said, I'm much more concerned that you're a great Christian. So I want now, 
Guess what he's reading right now? That biography of Josh Hamilton I just told you about. I said, I said you got to read this. And he's going to find out that Christ is the answer. See, Josh Hamilton went to eight different rehab clinics. The Ryans have made a four, the Rays have put a $4 million investment just in his bonus. They didn't want to lose him. If you follow sports, he was the home run hitting contest. He's the starting center fielder for the American League tonight uh, based on his name from last year because of the home run hitting contest in Yankee Stadium. He had 28 home runs in the second round. Yeah, just incredible. Several, probably over 500 feet. This guy had thrown it all away. But Christ made the difference. I want my son to read about that. By the way, I also want him to see where sin takes you. He lost 50 pounds, was kicked out of his home, you know, scabs, six to eight inches pieces of flesh coming out of his nose for the cocaine. You know, I want to read that. A, I have a reading list that I put together. I spoke in North Carolina a year ago just to pastors and administrators. They had me speak on reading. It's a passion of mine. I put together about a five-page list. It's broken into areas. Like the best one-volume commentary, I think there's two. Uh, one is um, The Unfolding Drama of Redemption by W. Graham Scroggie, and uh, that's a great one. There's another one that's very, very good. I just went blank on it. I'll think of it in just a moment here. But I've, I've categorized it in a whole lot of different areas. And uh, if you want that, if you'll write me, I'll send it to you for free. But all you have to do is write me, and I'll, I'll send it to you. Also, on www.paulchapel.com, he has a reading list that goes for each book of the Bible and some other categories as well that would be available. Number five, supervise and inspect their curriculum. Supervise and inspect their curriculum. Sometimes I am boggled by what people are reading. Let me just give you an illustration again. When you travel a lot, you get lots of illustrations. I was preaching somewhere in the Northwest this last year, and a mother came to me. She said, I'm losing my son. She said, he's becoming distant, withdrawn. His attitude stinks. I'm losing him. She said, I know I'm losing him. She said, will you talk to him? I said, well, I said, I'll, meet you. I'll come over to your house for an hour before I have to leave. I have to leave at 9 o'clock tomorrow. I'll meet you. Can I meet you at 8 o'clock? They said, I said, I'd just like to speak just with your son, though. And they said, sure, come over to our house. And I came over to his house, and nice guy. And I said, well, what are your hobbies? Because I was just making small talk. By the way, if you want to be a good teacher, I recommend every teacher read How to Win Friends and Influence People by Dale Carnegie. And you say, what's well, a secular book? Lee Robertson said it was one of those five most important books in his ministry. If Lee Robertson said that, I could recommend it. So, uh, by the way, the more things you know about, the more people you could talk to. And that's why I subscribe to magazines. I don't want to read an entire book on aerospace, but I'll read an article in Smithsonian. That's a good thing when you're out here in this area. Okay, enough said. Well, I was talking to this young boy, and I, I said, do you have any hobbies? He says, I love to read. I go, Dude, I didn't say that. But I said, I love to read. You like to read? I love to read. This is awesome. I said, uh, what's your favorite author? He said, Dean Koontz. Ooh, not good. Dean Koontz has sold over 2 million books. He's into horror, macabre, and spiritism. Later, I found out that he had 15 of his books stacked by his bed. His parents, though, didn't know who Dean Koontz was. He'd be an equivalent of Stephen King, V.C. Andrews. By the way, ladies, if you've got a Sunday school class and your girls are reading the Harlequin romances, which are soft porn today, Daniel Steele. Now, the Bible says think about things that are true, just, lovely, of good report. Think on these things. We need to be aware of what they're reading. We need to be aware of what our teachers are teaching. The Bible says in Proverbs 27, verse 23, Be thou diligent to know the state of thy flocks. God wants us to know the state of our flocks. Um, look well to thy herds. That's a very interesting verse. Uh, we are under shepherds. Trip, shepherding a child's heart. Uh, by the way, my son, we, we didn't have TV. In our marriage of 28 years, we probably haven't had a TV maybe 22, 23 years. Uh, to help inspire me to get on the elliptical and exercise in the morning, I got TV about January. My son's never allowed to turn it on when we're not there. 
I said, by the way, if I ever see you turning on the TV, and, and again, we don't watch fiction in our home. We turn commercials off in our home. I think there's some good things in History Channel, Discovery Channel. I don't usually watch those. I'll get up and watch ESPN in the morning and try to do an hour on my elliptical or watch some Fox News or Bloomberg Business News. I'm interested in that. Um, but you know what? I want to know the state of my flocks. We got home last night, dog tired, about 1130 at night. My wife says, Mark downstairs. Is the TV on? He wasn't. He was in his room reading. Hallelujah. But I told him, I said, if you're ever on the TV without us being there, without our permission, I said, I'll take it out of the family room. I'll lock it up in my workroom and put a lock on the door. I want to control the state of my flocks. By the way, it had more dangers than television, the Internet. People preach a lot about TV. The Internet is far, far more dangerous than TV. Two clicks away from hardcore pornography. Child porn, bestiality, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And I read the interview with James Dobson and Ted Bundy. And that would scare people. It ought to scare them so far from pornography. You know, I let no man say what he's tempted. I'm tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil. Neither tempted any man. But every man is tempted when he's drawn away with his own lust and enticed. Then when lust hath conceived, it brings forth sin. And sin, when it's finished, brings forth death. Be careful, be careful. Uh, Supervisor Inspector Curriculum. Uh, it's wise to have weekly previews of the upcoming week. Teachers should keep detailed lesson books. Uh, I emphasize those who fail to plan, plan to fail. I'm a believer in that. I'm a believer in that. Um, in a wide variety of areas, I don't have time to talk about this. Every teacher ought to ask, what can I do to make it better? Uh, weekly meetings are important as you're challenging your teachers. If you're a principal, you're a Sunday school superintendent, here's an outline I gave the staff here at Lancaster Baptist. If you work here, sorry, you'll hear it twice. And, of course, obviously, I took longer than two minutes I'll take right now. Mark 10, 45, for he the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life for answer for many. I took the acronym serve. Serve, serve the Lord, the pastor, the people. E, eager to help, learn, and grow. I talked about each of these at the time. R, are we responsive? V, valiant. I had a hard time finding a V. And then E, evangelistic. Right? That was my lesson. If you're a Sunday school teacher, by the way, that would work for school teachers. That would work for Sunday school teachers. Uh, each meeting should have three goals. If you'd underline those there, edification, encouragement, and education. By the way, I threw in a little bit of entertainment. I think people learn better when they're happy. Uh, I use humor. I think it is a wonderful tool. A merry heart doeth good like a what? That's it. And I, I'm in church every day of my life, just about, I mean, especially in the summertime. So if I'm not going to laugh then, when am I going to laugh? So, all right, next, great analysis. Now, great analysis, just understand, this deals with your Sunday school class or with your school class. How are they doing? Are they getting it? Are they learning? Uh, being aware of the percentage of A's and F's. Now, you say, what do you mean A's and F's in Sunday school? Okay. How many people are bringing their Bibles? How many of those kids are taking the next step up in their Christian life? That's, the type of, that's, a, that's exactly the type of thing I'm talking about here. Um, I've given you there in your notebook, I believe, an illustration of the evaluation, uh, administ- administrative test evaluation form. Uh, every teacher has to turn these in. Did you get that there in your book? Okay. That's there. Uh, every teacher has to turn how many A's, how many B's, how many C's, D's, F's. Um, and then how you plan to assist the students. How will you help them come up? That's a very important thing. We've got to do that with our Sunday school classes as well. And uh, then I, I realize that our, our time is up, but how are we going to help the Sunday school kids start bringing their Bible? How about bringing visitors? How about taking the next step up? We've got to be asking those questions. I believe that as, tr- as leaders of teachers, it's our job to help them take the next step up. It's our job to say, okay, you're right here. We don't want to say, I'm up here, you're down there. It's our job to say, okay, let me help you take the next step up. 
And if we'll do that, there'll be fruition not only for them, but for us as well. You've been listening to the Ministry 127 podcast. Today we learned how to train teachers throughout the year with Dr. Mark Rasmussen, Vice President of West Coast Baptist College. This podcast was designed to equip spiritual leaders to grow in the Word and develop a biblical philosophy of ministry for today's local church. Be sure to let a friend know about ministry127.com. Also, for Christ-honoring publications, please visit strivingtogether.com for resources that encourage spiritual growth and the local church ministry. Thank you for listening to this Ministry 127 podcast.